the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Say, I love you, Jesus. Mm. That's always good to say. Let's turn to Acts chapter 6. Can anybody tell me what uh, the series is called? X right. That's right. It's X right. We're going through the book of Acts and we're learning how to X right. Tonight's message is part number nine called and equipped. Called and equipped. If you're writing down the title of tonight's message, this has been a good series. I don't know about you. I, I look back through some of the notes from the previous sermons before I, we, we came here today, and I was like, man, we, this is helping us grow. I, this has been a good message. If I do say so myself, the Lord has given us good stuff out of the book of Acts, and I pray it will continue tonight. Verse 1 of chapter 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. No, not in a church. <laughs> not rumbling. Uh, growing pains because they're getting so big so quick. So if, if, if that happens to us and there's rumblings of discontent, calm down, everybody. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that the widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. <laughs> and so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we'll give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and preaching of the Word. So I believe this is where the demarcation line was drawn where we, um, we ministers, we took on the more important role than the common man. This is where we began to understand that we preach and we pray and y'all do the work. <laughs> this is where it became the ministers versus the lay people, the called versus the pew sitters, the chosen versus just the masses, the shepherds versus the sheep. I'm being facetious here, okay, so don't stone the messenger. I think she has conceived. <laughs> All right. So from now on, just to be clear, you know, the, the food servers, as they're called, you know, that the ones who are going to distri uh, distribute the food, y'all can just handle the small stuff, and the apostles and the pastors and the teachers and us, we'll just handle the big stuff. We'll, we'll do the miraculous stuff. We'll do all the important stuff. Is that the way it is in the church? Well, some people would say, hey, 
the way it looks there. I've actually heard it preached that the apostles were the ones doing all the miracles, and when the apostles passed away, so did the miracles. And that's how they explain how there's, their, their churches are dead and dry and they hadn't seen a miracle in 20 years. <laughs> that they all passed away with the apostles. That God only used those 12 and he empowered them to do miracles and lay hands on the sick and all that kind of stuff. And they were super powerful. But when, when the early church, once it was established, there was no more need for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all that passed away. Have you ever heard that preached? I've heard, I've heard similar preached. Well, anyway, let's get back to our text. In verse 5, it said everyone liked this idea. Why would everybody like that idea? Well, maybe because it took the pressure off of everybody sitting in the pews, you know. They're not interested in full-time ministry, so they can just sit back and relax now because they don't have to do the praying and the preaching. And serious Christians, you know, the the ministry-minded, they can get all the attention that they crave. So it's a good, it works out for everybody, right? Good system, kind of like what we see today, you know, in many churches. Of course, I'm being facetious. Verse 5, everyone liked this idea and they chose to follow. And Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Tenon, Parmenius, Parmenia. Uh, Nicholas of Antioch. Boy, I, I butchered those names. <laughs> Verse 6. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid their hands on them, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. Why? Because they had figured it out now. The apostles, they didn't have to do none of the menial work. They just concentrated on what they were supposed to do. And the rest of the people didn't, didn't do anything. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Wait a minute. I should have studied this before I came here tonight. I thought Stephen was one of the table servers guys that was supposed to work on the food distribution. Am I missing something? He's not one of the apostles, is he? Well... Well, let's read on. It says he's a man full of grace and power, performing amazing miracle signs among the people. I guess it was just a typo. Anyway, verse 9 says, but one day some of the men from the synagogue of freed slaves, it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexander, Cilicia, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which... Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some of the men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses, even God. They roused the people, the elders, the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. And we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. And at that point, everybody in the high council stared at Stephen because his his face became as bright as an angel's. (laughs) This is the food guy? Why is the waiter's face shining with the glory of God like Moses? 
Where did he get this wisdom and power and all this stuff? I mean, he, he wasn't supposed to be the one. He was supposed to work on the food. Now he's going out preaching. Well, anyway, if you go on, uh, they asked you know, what, what his answer was, and he began to preach this long Bible history lesson. And so, obviously, Stephen has studied to show himself approved. I think he's going far beyond what he's been asked to do in the church, but I guess, this is, I guess he's an unusual fellow or something. But anyway, just like the great apostle Paul, uh, Peter, he tells them in Acts 7.51, this sounds just like Peter. He said, you stubborn people, you're heathen at heart, deaf to the truth. Much, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors do, and so do you. No one prophet your ancestors, name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hand of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Jesus is standing? I thought Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's what the Bible says, right? He ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand. Now Jesus is standing for a waiter? This is not making sense. Is this making, is this making any sense to y'all? Is this the way y'all understand the church to be? Well, the Jewish people here didn't understand it either, so they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. That's real adult. <laughs> I'm not listening, I'm not listening. And they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And his accusers took off their coats and laid him at the feet of a young man named Saul, which I'm sure we'll preach about here so shortly. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Well, I'm sure this is just a random account. This is not the way it's supposed to be. But in this story, we see a table server willing to die for Jesus. <laughs> just a regular guy in the church would be willing to die for Jesus. No. He's operating in the grace and power of Jesus. He's performing miracles and signs and wonders without the apostles even being there. He's getting it all wrong, but apparently he's learned the wisdom of God. He's taking on all comers, talking about Jesus. And he doesn't sound like a normal waiter. I mean, this guy's on the cleaning crew. What's he doing all this stuff for? He, they wouldn't even let him on, on the mic at church, you know. So let's, leave, let's read a little further. I'm sure this was just an oddball mistake in the Bible, but Acts chapter 8 Acts chapter 8, verse 4 says, But the believers who were scattered preached through the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, wasn't it Stephen and Philip was on the cleaning crew? 
Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Well, he's not supposed to do that. That's the apostle's job. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear the message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left the victims. Many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there, there was great joy in that city. Is this making sense to anybody? Okay, let's turn to John 14. Let's see what Jesus has to say. We'll clear this up. Huh? This is awful weird. They, they said the apostles were the ones that supposed to be doing the religious activities, not, not the lay people. John 14, 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, say anyone, anyone, will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So, man, that, that helps make a little more sense. So Jesus is saying any, anybody could do this stuff. It's not just the apostles. Okay, okay, it's making sense. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Do you have Ephesians in your Bible? All right, it says in uh, verse 11, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, oh, there we go, the gifts. Oh, okay. Now, now we're back on track. I don't know where them other scriptures came from. The, the gifts that God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to do the miracles and the workings of God and take care of all the work of the church. Is that what your Bible says? Oh, oh, their responsibility is to equip God's people. To equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Oh. This will continue to we all. Say we all. Ye all. Come to such unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So I was wrong. I'm sorry. I was seeing it funny. I should have studied before I came here tonight. Apparently it's not just the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the pastors and them who do the work of the ministry. Apparently we all have some input until we, you know, until we all mature and grow up to the complete and full standard of Christ. We've all been called and equipped. But that's not the way we do it in many churches, is it? There's small little churches and there's big little churches all over America where the pastor's supposed to do all the work. He visits all the sick. He's supposed to go knocking door to door to get people saved. He's supposed to grow the church. He's supposed to care for the folks. And the congregation is just the consumers. They come, hear a message, and hopefully it'll make their, enhance their life some so that when they go home they know how to be happier people. And so that they can live their secular lives in a 
more beneficial way. Isn't that the way it is in a lot of churches? They, people just come, they sit on the pew, they listen, and they evaluate and determine whether the preacher preached a good message tonight or not, and then they go home. And if, if he don't start teaching me some stuff that's going to help my personal life, I'm going to go to that other church down the street. But what if? Say, what if? What if we're all called to be full-time ministers? Maybe, maybe we've been looking at this whole full-time ministry thing in the wrong light. What if we're all called to be full-time ministers? What if our life shouldn't be broken up into secular weeks and spiritual Sundays? where we do our life Monday through Saturday and we give God some of Sunday. But then we go back to our life again Monday. We do things our way the rest of the week. And what if we're all equally important to God no matter what our calling is and that God wants to use us all and there's no big eyes and little U's in the body of Christ it's a bunch of we's. <laughs> it's a bunch of us's together. It's a, we're all just little children before God's in God's sight. Oz Guinness says, If all that a believer does grows out of faith and is done for the glory of God, then all dualistic distinctions are demolished. There is no higher, lower, Sacred, secular, perfect, permitted, contemplative, active, or first or second class. Calling is the premise of Christian existence. Calling means that everyone, everywhere, and in everything fulfills his secondary calling in response to God's primary calling. For Luther, the peasant and the merchant, for us, the business person, the teacher, the factory worker, and the TV anchor can do God's work or fail to do it just as much as the minister or the missionary. Did you get any of that? That we're all called. There's no big eyes and little U's. The minister is not more important than you. In fact, if you're going to be the leader of all, you're supposed to be the servant of all. So the Holy Spirit filled the table servers, the ones in, <laughs> that's supposed to be in, in charge of the distribution of food, and they became just as important as the pastors to God. Holy Spirit filled janitors. Holy Spirit filled ditch diggers. They're just as important to God as the pastors and the apostles and the preachers. There's, God is really no respecter of persons. And they can be just as effective as we see with Stephen and Philip, right? Stephen and Philip were doing the same miracles, if not greater miracles, than the, some of the apostles. Why? Did they let their title of table server slow them down? Maybe they were humble enough to receive where they're at right now and go with it. And because of that, God has highly exalted them. 
Martin Luther said, the maid who sweeps here in the kitchen is doing the will of God just as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. You know, we often think that everything has to be so spiritual. There's a spiritual side for sure, yeah. But God is interested. We are three-part beings, and God is interested in every part of our life. Excellence in every part. Acts 10.34 said, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. That means he doesn't esteem one over the other. I mean, I'm his favorite, but y'all all are probably tied for second. Right? But with God, we can all feel like we're special because his love is that big. I mean, he can love me with more love than I could ever receive all at one time and then love you the same way. So it says, Then every nation that, he, that feareth him and worketh righteous, righteousness is accepted with him. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That's all you got to do. Fear God and do right. Be accepted. You don't have to try to prove yourself to God by taking on these lofty goals that, that we think are, is, man, if I could be one of those, God would really take notice of me. How about you be what you're called to be and not try to compare yourself to somebody else? Besides, we can't all quit and be pastors. Right? Quit our job. And, and I thought that. I thought that when I, when I got saved, I thought the goal was, well, if you're really going to love Jesus, you're going to have to be in the five-fold ministry somewhat kind of way, and you've got to get there. You know, and everybody's working towards that. But that is not the case. As you can see with Philip and Stephen, not apostles, but doing great works for the kingdom of God under the title of table servers. And God doesn't want, necessarily want you to quit your day job and say, I'm, I'm, I'm going whole hog for Jesus because of, uh, your idea of what going whole hog for Jesus is. Maybe, you're, maybe his idea of you going whole hog is for you to be a good Christian right where you're at. He probably needs you ministering right where you are. What if God needs dishwashers operating in the grace and power of Jesus? What if he needs parents performing miracles, signs, and wonders? What if he needs soldiers and accountants and shop workers studying up and speaking to God, speaking the word of God right there in their foxholes and their workstations? I mean, this world would be kind of crazy if we were all an eye or we were all an ear. We were all pastors. Who would we preach to if we were all pastors? Right? There's nothing wrong with aspiring to be something that if you feel God's put it in your heart. But don't just arbitrarily pick something because you think that's what a, a Christian does. A Christian does what God asks them to do, whatever that may be. Hope I'm getting somewhere. Question is, are you in your holy calling? We all have a holy calling on our lives. 
Are you in it, in the season, in the stage that where you should be right now? I wanted to show a, a video if somebody could get the lights. Um, has anybody seen that show, Fixer Upper? That's where they fix the houses or whatever. I came across a video with Joanna Gaines in it, and she's talking about her calling. And I thought, hey, here's a person that likes fixing houses, has a little shop, and, and found herself on a TV show. And, and she equates it all to God's calling. Check it out. I remember as a little girl, my mom was Korean and my father was Caucasian, and I never knew there was anything different about myself until I started going to school. And I'll never forget an experience I had with a school lunchroom. You know, I remember standing there and seeing the sea of people, felt like all eyes were on me. And I was thinking, you know, who's going to be my friend? Who am I going to sit with? I started walking through that lunchroom, and then I remember darting straight out, and I found a bathroom lock myself in a stall, uh, but, but in those moments is when I really believe that that's where the lie was sown, uh, that who I was wasn't good enough. You know, as we all do, I grew up and I grew out of the insecurities, had great friends, great childhood, and I remember in those times, I, I heard him specifically say, you know, Joanna, I have a calling for you. You're going to have a platform one day. And I remember thinking, what does that even mean? And I remember hearing God say, Joanna, there's going to come a time where I'm going to say for you to go, and I'm going to need you to step out and go. After graduating college, you know, a couple years later, I end up meeting this handsome, rugged cowboy who was hilarious, uh, Chip Gaines. And we got married, and he knew that I had this whole thing of businesses that I wanted to start, but he also knew I was never going to just take the risk and start them. I just dreamed about them. And he really encouraged me to step out and make one of those dreams happen. And we opened Magnolia Market together, and I loved it. You know, but at that time, I was also pregnant with my second child, and I really felt like God was saying, hey, I want you home. I want you raising these babies at home at this age. And I remember the last day, you know, we're closing the shop down and I'm crying because again, I feel like it's the end of a dream. And I hear God say very clearly, he said, Joanna, if you trust me with your dreams, I'm going to take Magnolia further than you could have ever dreamed. So just trust me. And I remember hearing that and feeling completely peaceful about it. And I walked away. Well, a couple years ago, we get this call um, from a production company and they ask us to film a quick video of our family and what we do as a business. And that turned into um, the show that we have now. You know, Chip and I laugh. We look back and we just go, how did this all happen? And I remember last year um, in January, Chip and I took a trip to Arizona and, and we were driving around and we found this really beautiful garden and Chip said, I'm going to drop you off here. I'm going to give you about an hour and I want you to kind of reflect on the year before and then just let God speak to you about what this next year is going to look like. And he dropped me off and I'm sitting under this tree and I, I felt like God said, Joe, it's time. And I was like, time for what? And he said, it's time to reopen your store. And I said, I don't, I don't think I can do that. And just cool and calm, no, it's time. May of last year, we reopened the shop on Bosky, the little shop on Bosky. And now I look back and I go, God, your promise that you spoke years ago, I'm now seeing 
Um, I trusted you with my dream and you've taken it far beyond what I could have ever dreamed or imagined. You know, I can look back now in the pattern of my life and, and really believe God has a purpose for me, but he also has a purpose for you. And on the other side of that is the enemy where he knows he knows where to hit. He knows to hit below the belt. He's going to have that fear be if you fail. And what if you fail in front of all these people? What if you fail and don't find someone in that lunchroom? What if your business fails? Whether it's you're staying home with your children and you're raising beautiful babies or you're the CEO of a multi-million dollar company, let God speak into your life. Let His Father heart come and say, this is what I have for you. And I think that's the key, not believing the lies, fixing our eyes on Jesus and walking in that truth. That's some good teaching right there. Because we all have a calling. And we have to be brave enough to step into it. She had a husband to come along and help. That'll go with our marriage teaching, won't it? To be a helpmate. So, so he, he helped her get started. That's why we're an encouragement to one another. So I'm here to encourage you tonight. Whatever direction God is leading you, don't be fearful. Where God leads, He provides. And so he will, he will uh, make the provision available to you. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Are you called according to His purpose? What do you do? What are you doing in your life right now? Are you doing it for Jesus? Could you say that I'm called according to His purpose? Where I'm at right now, I feel like I'm doing it for Jesus. It may not even be where you want to be right now, but it's the stage in your life and, and you're doing your best for Jesus. Could it be that you're just floating around or hiding out or running from where Jesus is really calling you? That's miserable. You know, we were created by Him to love and do good works and, and reach that finish line of our lives to get to a place that we can only get through trust in Him, dependence on Him, following Him. What I'm trying to do tonight and. Maybe it didn't work at first. It was kind of dry and boring, but I was trying to be facetious. I was trying to get you to see that there, that where, where you're at and what you're supposed to do is important to God. You don't have to be a preacher to feel good about yourself with God. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to say, well, because I'm not a missionary, you know, I can't do anything for God and I'm, I'm no good for the kingdom of heaven or because, you know, I don't have this or I don't have that. Many of you might say, I, I don't know what is my calling. How do, how do I know what my calling is? Well, let me ask you this question. How serious are you about discovering it? Deep calls into deep. God will hide things below the surface until you're ready to dig for them. Oswald Chambers 
said God did not direct his call to Isaiah. You remember when God called and he said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Do you remember that? That's what he's talking about. He said, God did not direct his call to Isaiah. Isaiah overheard God saying, who will go for me? The call of God is not just a select few, but for everyone. Whether I hear God's call or not depends on the condition of my ears. And exactly what I hear depends on my spiritual attitude. Do you want to hear God's voice? Are you afraid to know what God has for you? Are you so stuck on the idea that you have that what if God sends me here? What if he makes me stop this? Like she said in the video, there was a point where he told her to quit her business. And she cried, but she did what he said. He said, because give me a little time and it's going to come back stronger than ever. There was a time when I was writing newspaper articles. I thought that was what my calling was. I thought I was going to do it forever. And I was right in the amongst it. <laughs> I was right in the middle of it. I was giving it everything I had. And God said, boop, stop writing. What if I'd have kept writing? Would God's anointing still been on it? Why would you want to go anywhere? I I'm like Moses. Lord, if you don't go with us, don't send me. <laughs> don't send me out there. So I, I didn't know much. I never known much. But I know enough not to go without God. And so if God says stop, I, sto I stopped it. You know, and I hadn't wrote an article since then. Let's turn to Amos. Amos is one of the uh, minor prophets in the Bible. Be hard to find the book. It's in there somewhere, right before the New Testament. Might have to look it up on her. But he is in there. Amos, we're calling to you. You got it? I found it. Amos chapter 7. Has anybody found it? Everybody good? Amos chapter 7, verse 14. It says, But Amos replied, I'm not a professional prophet, and I was never trained to be one. Well, that's an honest assessment of himself, isn't it? <laughs> Especially for someone who's in the Bible as a prophet. He says, I'm not a professional prophet, and I was never trained to be one. I'm just a shepherd. And I take care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord called me away from my flock and told me, go and prophesy to my people in Israel. What is happening here? He doesn't see himself as what he became. He has no training in what he became. I can identify with this. I've never been to a day of seminary school in my life. I'm no professional pastor. I have no training for this. What was I? I was just a shepherd at heart. Somebody who wanted to take care of the things of God. Like I said, I, 
when I got saved, I thought I was supposed to be in full-time ministry. That was the goal, you know, to serve God until you, you're really serving God. But I found out it's just serving God where you're at and doing what you do, you know, and letting things lead where they will, not trying to and beat yourself down because you're not where you think you ought to be when you're supposed to be when you, who you said you was going to be when who's you tell me to do I'm sorry, I'm, I go into these rocky moments. But, but the Lord called me away from my flock and told me to go and prophesy to the people of Israel. In other words, he left the one flock that he had and, he, and God gave him a bigger flock. He was faithful with the little flock of sheep and God made him a shepherd of the people. And that's what we're supposed to be. God will promote us in due season. If we'll humble ourselves and just love people and do the basic things, I believe that's, you know, why my transition to being a pastor out of the blue was kind of seamless because I was already loving on the children back there for years. I was already loving on the youth. And as Pastor Paul was sick, God bless him, I was helping him minister and I was already, it was just natural for me to love you guys because we're family. And I was already doing everything. So whether I had training in it or special, you know, been to seminary or not. It was just natural for me to move into this position. It just happened. I didn't make it happen. I couldn't have made it happen. There's no way. All I could do was be faithful with what I knew to do and love people. Love people along the way. And Becky, I don't know why I say this to you, but You know, you, you've been around since I first got saved, and you probably chuckle when you think that I'm the pastor. <laughs> because you know how far I was from that when I first began. When I first got saved, I was so prideful. I wanted to mark, I was snatching the microphone from everybody thinking I could preach, and I couldn't preach a lick. I made a fool of myself. I would go to a corporate prayer, and I would dominate corporate prayer, man. I'd stand up, and I'd do all the praying. And, and, and we had professional prayers back in them days. We had Mary Anita and them, and they were in there. And you know what they did? They just looked at me and smiled, and they were probably thinking, he'll learn, he'll learn. <laughs> I thought, man, but somewhere along the line, it, it took me 20 years to get to a place where I just let it all go and just, I said, man, I'm happy just loving folks. And I'd be happy... If for some reason, you know, I had to step down as pastor or something, I, could, I would still just love people for the rest of my life. And, and it, I wouldn't be hurt by losing a title. Life is not about titles. Like I said, God is no respecter of persons. He don't care about titles. I can love people whether I'm pastor or not. I can, I can, I can go door to door on my own if I had to. You know? We can love people. So we can all relax. We can all relax. Don't build up something in your head thinking that, man, I've got to compare myself to this or that because I'm not there yet. That's just the devil. As long as we're serving God, we fear God, and we act right. Romans 12, 4 
says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us differing gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy or preach, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it is given, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And the list could probably go on. You have gifts. You have worth. You have value. And it's just as important as anybody else's gifts and value and importance to God. You are just as important to God as, as the Pope himself. You're just as important to God as Billy Graham. In fact, I'm going to say something that's going to rock your whole world. You're just as important to God as Jesus. Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, show them that you love them as much as you love me. Your life does matter. God does have a special plan for you. And you, my friend, are called. Say, I'm called. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm called. You can tell them, you called too. <laughs> We're all called. We all called. So, whether you're working in the nursery, whether you work on the cleaning crew, whether you work in the media, whether you're an usher, whether you're an apostle, a pastor, a teacher, or an evangelist, relax. Your job is the same. To love people and use the gifts that God's given you. And don't even worry about comparing. If you answer your call, I can guarantee you this, you'll be equipped and empowered to prevail. Just answer the call. Just answer the call. Your call. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.